You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yo, it is another edition of the High Host Podcast. I am James Seltzer, and with me right now, Wanting to let you know what he is drinking as he wants to appear more relatable, he said. So, <laughs> Jack Fritz, what beer are you having tonight? Oh, come on. That's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. You're taking, a, you're taking a shot too early into this podcast. Oh, no, Jack. Listen, uh, if, if Eno Sayers can do it, why can't I do it? Because it's Eno's thing. Why can't it be my thing? Make it your thing. What 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 are you drinking tonight, Jack? I'm drinking a, a nice two roads, two juicy New England IPA. And it's juicy. Like, what I don't get about New England IPAs is for some reason they're the juiciest IPAs, which doesn't make any sense because New England is black all the time. Juicy. What? So what makes a, an IPA juicier than another one in your uh, estimation? I don't know, but I think it's the hops. Um, and I don't know. For some reason, they just taste fresher. And uh, they go down way smoother when the Phillies are winning, but also you have to drink them more when the Phillies play bad like they did today and this week against the Braves. Like, why can't we beat this Braves team, James? It's a great question, especially coming off a year where they literally own the Braves' soul. I was thinking about it. I was wondering, like, because I'm trying to come up with reasons. As you look at the, the team sitting now at 16-11, we're recording this Sunday evening to get this out for uh, – for all of you heading to work on Monday morning, I'm sorry. Uh, work sucks, especially on a Monday. But hopefully talking to little Phillies can brighten the day a little bit. Big week of baseball coming up. We'll, we'll get to that a little later. But uh, tough weekend coming off the, the losing two out of three to the Braves, including the 10-1 to 1 stomping yesterday or today uh, for us, Jack. Uh, but I think um, – and look, they're 3-6 and six against the Braves now, and – 11 and 5, uh, excuse me, uh, 12, 13 and 5 against every other team. So the Braves have certainly been their kryptonite so far this season. So I was trying to think about what it is because it's not like the Braves are, are crazy talented. They're better than they were last year a little bit, mostly because of maturation and a healthy Freddie Freeman and whatnot. But, um, and Ozzy Albies is playing great and Acuna's up and, and he's legit and all that. But is it possible, Jack, that because the Phillies are owned the Braves' souls so hard last season that maybe the Braves have a little bit more of an edge against them this year? Is there something where they're like, there's enough guys, pretty much the vast majority of the team from last year is here now, minus, again, Acuna and Albies was only there for a little bit last year and all that. But do you think these guys just hate the Phillies a little extra hard, Jack? I kind of have a hard time believing that because both teams were terrible last year. So, like, it, like, if both teams were good and they were fighting and they were vying in the division and the Phillies just owned the Braves, I could see that carrying over another year. But, like, both teams were bad. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's like the, the two worst teams being angry at each other or trying to get in vendetta against each other. 
I don't know. Just doesn't really uh, make sense to me. I just think the Braves have upped their talent level a little bit. The pitching staff, like getting shut down by by Brandon McCarthy three times this year, has been <laughs> has been super frustrating. Uh, but I don't really put too much into that. I think if, if both te- if both teams were good and they were they were vying in the year before in the division, and one team just pounded the other team, like like the Phillies and the Mets a couple years ago, like in two thousand seven and two thousand eight, that would make more sense. Two of the worst teams in the entire game hating each- or having a vendetta against each other doesn't really vibe with me. Yeah, no, I, look, I think, uh, and I don't think the Phillies have been done. I think maybe there's a little extra juice, a tiny little bit for some of those Braves saying these guys beat our ass so much last year, but I agree with you. I don't think it's a real factor. It's I think the like Braves the are, are not an awful baseball team, and and it's early in the season. I think the good news is that they've already played half their games against the Braves this season. You know, you're, you're halfway home with that. Hopefully over the second half they could do a better job than the first half. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Look, uh, luckily – the Braves are not on the schedule for a little bit now, and uh, we can focus on other teams like Miami Marlins coming in, which should be an easier task. But then after that, the Nationals, which should be interesting as well, heading to Washington after heading to Miami. But, Jack, a couple things we got to talk about real quick, and I, we're going to get to the Odubel Herrera thing in a little bit because I know you have a lot to say there. But let's start with J.B. Crawford uh, heading to the DL on the DL what is uh what how, how do you think it's going to kind of impact the team is it are we going to finally see like a set infield is it just going to be Scott Kingery at short and and that's how they roll i mean that would seem to make the most sense i know we've seen pedro florman get in there at third at short a little bit but is this just a uh, uh, potential for a little bit more set lineup over the next few weeks i think it's actually going to end up being a blessing in disguise it's going to let kingery settle into a spot a little bit uh, i know he's not a natural shortstop but i think he has been hurt a little bit by the jumping around of, 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 of positions. So I think him getting a set position, having a set uh, spot in the lineup is only going to help him. And it does, it does take a little bit of pressure off of J.P. Crawford, who was, who was struggling, struggling a little bit at the plate. Uh, and it was weird because I was watching J.P. And I was like, something's just off. And I thought he may have had the yips. Like sometimes you're a shortstop and you're, or you're anywhere in the, in the infield. And the ball just feels weird coming out of your hands for like three games, and then all of a sudden you kind of just get it back, and and everything's fine. And I thought maybe JP was developing the yips just a little bit, uh, but it turns out it was the arm injury, which makes more sense. Uh, he didn't just forget how to throw across the first base. It's not like JP Crawford's a, a bad defensive player, even though I was reminded like three times today, like Freddie would never make those. Oh. <laughs> those men- it's it's been it's been frustrating. Uh, which I think it's I think it's I think it's me a, a low key good thing for this team. Let Kingery kind of settle in, get his feet under him, not have him play multiple positions. Just let him play shortstop, get that bat going. Uh, hopefully, JP can come back fully healthy. He's not making the same. I mean, he's the he's the most errors in the in, in major league baseball right now which is not a good thing for your shortstop so um it's gonna be a good thing it, it, it let kingery kind of just get out of this little funk that he's in and then uh, we'll go from there yeah i i definitely agree with the kingery point i've i've heard a lot of people say that the switching positions has absolutely no effect on on his offense i think that's ridiculous like there's a guy who played second base his entire career and now they're asking him to play shortstop third base left field right field all over the diamond like as a rookie in major league baseball who's literally never played a game in major league baseball never had an bat in major league baseball prior to the start of the season jack i'm with you man i think 
I think to say that having all of that on your plate isn't going to affect him across the board is ridiculous. I I just think that's stupid. On top of the fact that you and I have talked a fair amount about that, that he is a rookie and a very raw rookie at that. You know, even a guy like J.P. Crawford came up last September. You know, we saw Hoskins, who's not a rookie anymore, get that time last season. I mean, Crawford, Kingry is coming up with zero major league experience. And and I think it takes time to learn how to adjust to, to the way pitchers adjust to you and the way defenses play you and all that type of stuff. And to have to worry about mastering all these different positions and and he's done a really good job like we've definitely seen some some errors here and there some mental mistakes but for the most part he's really acquitted himself well defensively considering all that's been thrown at him but uh I'm with you man I I think uh, I think that at least in the long run and I think even in the short term this could be a really good thing Crawford is no use if he's not healthy and I think you're absolutely right that it was certainly affecting him in the field he's a much better defender than We've seen the last week, two weeks from him, so and, I, I feel I feel the same way. And the other thing is, and I know like you don't want to hear this, but it's it's gonna let Mike Alfranco be in the, be in the lineup. <laughs> it, listen, man, you you he homered out. over the weekend. That was nice. He's been he's been consistently making better contact. He's his average is two fifty. He's finally over three hundred with the OBP, which I know finally. it's like. It's like, oh my God, that's so, like, you don't, for, 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 that's such a low benchmark. It's unbelievable. But yeah. it's, it's the baby steps with Michael. And I, I think he's been putting consistent at bats together. Uh, now, once it's 01, 02, he's just a, he's just a wreck. He has no, like, his, his pitch recognition is some of the worst I've ever seen. But uh, getting him in the lineup every night. But he, I still love him. Listen, man, all I'm saying is I just want to make sure he sucks. I just want to make sure he sucks. I'm not sure he's 100% suck right now. Okay. Yeah. I think no, been- I, look, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And the talent and all that, it's worth figuring it out for sure. And, I, you know, he, we've seen some things this season that have been better than, than in years past. But, you know, we just need to see a better approach. We need to. We have to at this point. I mean, he has to have a better approach at the plate. He can't just be as, as you know, free swinging as he's been. Yep. And, um, but, but look, I, I certainly think knowing you're going to be the third baseman every day, getting the chance to go out for the next two and a half, three weeks, whatever it is, you know, saying, all right, I'm going to be in the sixth hole, seven hole, whatever it is. And I'm going to go every day and I'm going to do my business. I think that's going to help as it will for Kingery. I, I agree with you, Jack, from, from that perspective. But, um, I, you know, I, look, I, I think, I think the team is better with JP Crawford at shortstop if he's healthy and, and full go than not. But, uh, I think for right now, the kind of the situation the team is in, I, I don't think the injury hurts them that much. But but to that point, really quickly, just looking at the offense, I think one way you can kind of give Franco a pass is that it's the entire team. It's it's We've had three guys. It's Odubel Herrera. Again, we're going to get into the whole uh, Ruben Frank of it all uh, in a bit with Odubel Herrera. But really quickly, just from an offensive perspective, it's been Odubel Herrera, Reese Hoskins, and Cesar Hernandez literally throwing this team on their backs and carrying them from an offensive perspective. And then they've gotten by with working counts, clutch hits in, in big spots and, and grinding out tough wins. But Jack, what, what do we need to see here? And I know we talked on the last episode of IOPS about the strikeouts and, and how that's a little overblown and all that, but um, you know, what, what do you like, 
What are you looking for? When are, what are we going to start to see some turns here? Because ultimately, they're going to have to get more production from the rest of this offense for them to continue to win baseball games. Well, I think we're slowly starting to see the turn from a couple players. I think I think Altair had a great week. Uh, he was, what, three for four today. He's had a really productive week. Now, on the contrary, Nick Williams, I think, is 0 for 15 on this homestand. With he is. Seven, which uh, isn't great. Uh, I think we're slowly but surely seeing the effects uh, being put into place. Alfaro had that. He has one game a month where it's like this guy, <laughs> like this guy could be Gary Sanchez, and then and then he goes back to being Jorge Alfaro the next night. It's just like, dude, stop swinging so hard. Like yep. it just 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 put the ball on the bat or, or put the bat on the ball and it will fly. Just like man, he is he is super frustrating, but also super tantalizing at the same time. I think Franco's put together good at bats. Andrew Knapp is I cannot stand Andrew Knapp. And I know like he works like he works at bats and he, he gets walks, but man, I just can't I, I can't stand him. Uh Carlos Santana, he had a he had a pretty good week. He had another ball that was six inches from going out the other night. Um he seems like it's slowly but surely starting to turn around. I, I I know it's the first month. They're really struggling to score runs. Uh, but I think there's been adjustments from John Maley, from the working counts to to trying to grind out at bats. Uh, I think it's I think it's been the first month's been a, a, a trying to get adjusted to the new hitting approach more than these guys are, these guys aren't talented hitters. Um, it just takes a little bit. It takes a little bit for everyone to get on the same page uh, to implement a new system. I know it's just hitting, but it's still you're you're learning about launch angle and and all these kind of different things. And Maley's teaching something new that previous hitting coaches here did not teach i'm not even sure what hitting coaches did before here because they probably didn't do anything besides like hey go hit and go get go get your hacks in at the cage so um i i think i think we're starting to see the offense kind of emerge just a little bit i've I've been more encouraged by some of the at-bats in the in the past week than i have in in recent weeks yeah you're a big fan of the phrase water always finds its level and yeah, I think apparently. I think it's a really good phrase for this. Like like these guys are going to hit. Carlos Santana is going to get on base thirty six percent of the time this season. It's going to happen. He's going to hit. Even when you look at the average at one fifty four, he's still got an OBP one hundred and fifty points higher than that. Like he's going to get on base and he's like going to figure it out. And some of the balls that he's you know his line drive percentage is high. Like he's gonna he's going to start getting on base. He's going to start hitting home runs. And I think the same thing with a lot of these other guys. Like you said, Altair is starting to turn it around. I feel good about his. You know, immediate future and future over the rest of this season, and just say it. You know, Come on, say I, it. I, yeah, the Altair meter is—it's getting better. It's rising. It's moving. The Altair meter is moving. When before I thought it was broken. So you're saying it so moved? It, it moved. Yeah, there you go. In more, the, uh, in more ways than one. Yeah. Well said. Uh, yes, I will. I will let you make the uh, innuendo there, and I will roll with it. Uh, but and I think, look, Nick Williams has definitely been struggling, but I think. And, and uh, I know you're not a huge Nick Williams guy. I'm not a huge Nick Williams guy either, but I think he'll be better than he's been. I think Crawford, once he gets going and gets healthy, will be better than he's been. Even Kingery is going to be better than he's been. And I think the real big takeaway for me is not how bad they've been, but the fact that they're 16 and 11 with how bad the rest of the offense has been. And and I think that Cesar and Odable and Rees are going to continue to do what they're doing. So I'm with you, Jack. I'm. I think. I think it's actually more of a positive than anything that you look at the fact that they found ways to win games even against some some subpar competition, 
when they haven't really been firing on all cylinders or anywhere near close to all cylinders on offense. And I think that's certainly going to change. And you got to hope that the pitching can obviously maybe not keep up the insane levels as we're already starting to see some guys, Vinny Velasquez, fall back to the pack, back to what we expected from him. But, uh, you know, the the pitching is not going to be quite as good as we've seen, but I think the offense is going to pick up the slack. And the fact that they're 16-11 right now after – the first month of the season, essentially, in terms of the, the month and time. The season started on March 29th. You and I are recording this on April 29th. Um, I think you have to be really happy with where they're at, despite some of those struggles. Before we get to the pitching staff, because I do want to get to Velasquez. I know you've got some strong thoughts there. And, of course, Ben Lively going to the DL as well. We'll get into that. As it's the return of Zach Eflin. But uh, quickly, Jack, let, let's, let's get to it as uh, – Audible Herrera, uh, who has been probably, you know, I think you could even say the best hitter on this team, even better than Reese Hoskins, or maybe right there the same as Reese Hoskins, whatever you want to say, certainly a better average than Reese, and uh, has just been a, a outstanding player this season, offensively, defensively. He had made, you know, six or seven highlight reel catches heading into the weekend and then makes the catch of the year. This weekend, jumping into the you know bramble in center field with his glove going in there and somehow coming out with the ball. He's gotten on base 29 straight games, Jack. And yet, and yet, in a nine to one game at the nine to one game at the time, ten to one even when it was at that point in the eighth inning, he hits a grounder and he doesn't bust his ass to first base. And we have people like Ruben Frank tweeting, way to run, Odeball. Uh I, like, I, look, I know you got a lot to say on this. I'm just going to, like, like say Jack go. But in going, also, you know, answer me this question. I, is is this city ever, ever going to appreciate Odubel Herrera for even close to what he is? Uh, unless the team gets good, like, really good, no. Because they just – this city has the most Neanderthalistic baseball fans I've ever seen in my entire life. It is it is infuriating that we can't appreciate a guy like Adubo Herrera. Like, dude, like people get mad about his freaking dreadlocks. Who gives a crap? Like, who cares if he has dreadlocks? Like, let the dude live. He's batting three. <laughs> he's batting. He's batting three forty-five, and like no one's talking about it. Everyone's talking about, oh my god, Reese Hoskins, and I love Reese Hoskins. Adubo's batting better than Reese Hoskins. Yep. It is. It is it is pure laziness. It is embarrassing that every single time he does one little thing wrong, whereas if anyone else on the team did it, it's not a big deal. Like Nick Williams did the same thing a night before, except it was 10 times worse, and no one brought it up. Not one person. I was the only person that noticed it. Maybe that's my anti-Nick Williams bias, and maybe that's the thought of everyone else that, that watches the double. But, like, get over it. Like, get over it. The guy... The guy's batting like he's your he's the ultimate 98% of the things that a Dubo Herrera does in the baseball field is good. The two percent, just get over it. Just get over it. What he does is a is good. Like you can move past the one thing he does a week that is like, oh my God, he's he's just such an embarrassment to baseball. Like the guy is one of the most talented hitters in the league. He could legit win the batting title this year, and yet 
we're still tweeting like, oh my god, he didn't run it out in the seventh inning of a blowout. Like, are you are you seriously that stupid? Like, are you just that much of a, do you have like a, that small of a brain to where it's like, oh, I don't like this. Uh, this is clearly bad. He can't win here. Like, imagine thinking that you can't win with a Dubo Herrera. Like, imagine being that stupid in a sport like baseball, where like you can't you can't win with a guy that's batting three forty and makes highlight real catches in the outfield. Like, are you like honestly, are you stupid? That's my question. <laughs> I I, th- I knew you would be able to uh, to uh, uh, explain the situation well and with uh, with grace, but I, look, I I agree with you. I think I think where it comes from with Odubel, I think part of it is that he was the best player on a terrible team for a few years, where I think he got kind of picked apart a lot more than he should have because he was the only player people knew even at that time. And thus everything he did was kind of under a microscope and, and that's not fair well, it and it's uh, you know ridiculous uh, to, I mean, do you know how many guys like, look, sh- would you love it if every uh, player was Mike Trout and ran out every single ground ball they hit? And even Mike Trout, will loaf to first base every now and again. It's part of the sport. It's a 162-game season that is a long, trying grind of a season. And you know what? Sometimes if you're down 10-1 to in the eighth inning, you might not be proud of it, but sometimes you just don't bust your ass to first base on a ground out. Like, it's not the end of the world. And it seems like you said, Jack, that – People in this city, or at least there's a portion of people in this city, I don't want to paint with with a too wide a, a brush here, but it just seems like no matter what this guy does, all they care about is the bat flips and the one time he makes a mistake in the outfield or or stuff like this when when everything else he does is is elite. You know, he is an elite center fielder. He's an elite batter. He is a, a can be the the third, second, third, fourth best player on a championship team. That's how talented he is. It is so ridiculous to think of anything other. And then on top of that, he's a good dude. Like, it's not like he's uh, some cancer in the locker room who is just tearing the locker room apart because he's some piece of crap human being he's a good guy and he's affable and he's likable he just sometimes has some lapses of 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 you know mental uh sometimes he's not focused enough sometimes he he doesn't maybe you know again give it his all which is ridiculous i mean this whole giving it your all is ridiculous everyone doesn't run out of ball at some point during the season i jack i think you make a great point that for 99% of players, it doesn't even get mentioned, it doesn't even get noticed, it doesn't even get talked about because it always happens. Yet for some reason, when a guy like Odubel Herrera does it, it's the worst thing that's ever happened in baseball history. I just want to know, like, if you're going to point that out, if you're going to point out that minuscule thing that has absolutely no effect on anything that is happening in the game, then please point out the catch from the night before, the two homers he hit in the game four to win a game against the Braves, and all the good that he does. Because I tell you what, what he does well is more important than the one time he doesn't run out to first base. Like, you Neanderthals. I just can't, I cannot take it. Like, he is such a good player. He helps his team win, and like, he he makes one little lapse and everyone's ready to jump down his throat and it, it just just get over yourselves like just enjoy a double like the listen baseball needs more guys like a double i yeah i agree 
Like, just get over it. Like Baseball needs as much personality as it can get. Odeborah has personality, and oh, yeah, he's a great player. People should be lauding him, not, not criticizing him. I, I couldn't agree more. Jack, let's pivot over to the pitching staff. Some news this week. We'll get. Uh, I'll I'll give you a quick break from from being fired up because I sh- I'm sure once I mention. Uh, well, I'm standing uh, up now, so. Vinny Velasquez, his name, will get there. But <laughs> Ben Lively to the DL, a back strain. Zach Eflin coming back to make a start. A, um, I mean, like you know, it's basically the same thing, right? I mean, uh, I mean, Lively maybe a little better than Eflin, but same deal. Time is a flat circle, James. That's <laughs> Zach Eflin's back. <laughs> Super. So, and look, Jared Eikhoff, not that far away, I would think. I'm sure he's going to come back and take that spot and, and hopefully be healthy enough to, to contribute. Velocity. The, the, the bigger question long-term, because I think we all know whether it's Lively, whether it's Eflin, when Eikhoff comes back, we'll see. But that is a innings eater, fifth starter. You see what you get. You hope you get something good. You probably won't. Vincent Velasquez is a whole other issue. As as we have seen the last two starts out, the Vincent Velasquez that we all remembered and didn't love, hated, in fact. Uh, I never, I, I didn't buy in the three starts in a row, one of which was the 20 to one game, which didn't even count for me. I wasn't in on it. I, I didn't, I didn't believe that he was, you know, quote unquote back. And I don't even know if you could say back. Cause he's never really been a successful major league pitcher. He had one good start and, you know, ever so one amazing start and uh, has never really come close to that ever again. But Jack, I, 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 what do we do here? Like, are you officially out on Velasquez? I've been saying this for a while that I'm out on Velasquez as a starter. I understand why they're trying it. I don't think they have any better options right now per se, but uh, I mean, what, what do they do? And what do you think of Velasquez? Is it, uh, do they move on? What can they do here? What, what, what is a potential outcome that is a real viable situation? Because I don't think either of us want to see Vince Velasquez pitching every fifth day. I, I don't think I'll make it through the season. I just, <laughs> I just can't, I can't take it. Like he's just so inaccurate all the time. Like he has no idea where his fastball is going. His, I've, like, listen, I don't know why this was considered a hot take, but apparently everything I say is a hot take, which isn't fair. But I said that <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't have good stuff. He has a good fastball. Every, everything else is, is, is average at best. His curveball is average. His slider is average. His changeup is average. Like, he's just, he is just not a good pitcher. He's not a good starting pitcher. Like, I, I just can't, I can't stand watching him every fifth day. It's not an exciting watch. The only way you can salvage him is to see if he could be a good first guy out of the pen. Like, people say, hey, make him a closer. What? Why would you want that guy being your closer? He throws 97 and doesn't know where it's going. Like, <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want that for an inning. I already have Hector Neris. Like, just Hector Neris has way better stuff than Vince Velasquez does. I mean, maybe if he developed into, a, like, had a hammer curveball or something, I'd be more in. But, no, he doesn't have that at all. He's a, he is a borderline average curveball that is just a get-me-over curveball at this point. Uh, maybe if he spiked it, there's something there. He just has to, he, like, the difference between him and Pavetta is, is just more and more stark between every single start that these two make it's like once once crap hits the fan for pavetta he grinds it out and figures it out and gets out of it and actually has good off speed to where that he can kind of full hitters whereas velasquez just relies on his fastball now the only way that that you're ever going to get anything out of him is velasquez because i am out on him being a starter he's just it's it's infuriating watching him it, it is 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 bring him in to try to stop fires in the middle of a ball game and hope that he develops into an archie bradley kind of guy i know he won't be archie bradley 
but that's the only hope you have. And and like just start that development in the off season, whatever. I know it's only a month into the season, so already looking ahead to next season is is a little much. And I don't want to just throw Vince Velasquez to the curb because he does throw ninety seven and he does have pretty clean mechanics, but just him as a starter, it's just it's just not going to work. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I've been saying it for a while and I, I've not wavered from it and I won't waver from it. I just, I, I haven't seen anything in the last th- two and a half years that makes me believe that this guy's going to be able to be a starter on the major league level and, and be any sort of consistent guy in that, in that type of role. So I'm with you do whatever you can to, to, to start that, that process of converting him to an arm in the pen because because like you say he does throw 97 he's an asset like one way or another wherever he goes he's an asset whether he's a you know they can try and figure something out i mean i i look i'm with you i, I just don't see him as a starter i don't see him as anyone who's ever going to be able to give you any sort of real consistent innings so um but again i don't know what the answer is at least for right now you know i think you know look you've got arietta nola and pavetta you feel really good about you're hoping and praying that Jared Eikhoff can come back and be, you know, half of what you got from him a couple of years ago, but just a guy who can, can be somewhat consistent, not walk guys like he used to be able to and eat some innings for you. But I think that when you look at that Velasquez, Lively, Eflin type of trio there, you're really hoping that that is a spot that is filled by someone who is not Anyone on the else. team right now, I think. If you're really looking ahead towards competing in September, I think that's a spot that, that right now the clearest, biggest weakness for this team, uh, personally, in my mind, uh, when you're thinking about how this team is constructed right now. Um, Jack, all right, looking ahead to this week, the Marlins uh, heading to Miami to play the Marlins. You feel, obviously, pretty good about heading down to take on that team. They have played uh, exactly to their talent level what you would expect. But an interesting series after that as we get our first look at the Washington Nationals this season who have struggled so far this season, still sitting in fourth place in the National League East, still under 500. What uh, have you seen from the Nationals so far this season? And do you think this is just a slow start and they're still going to be by far the team to beat in this division? Or is this a sign of a team that might be a little bit more vulnerable than people thought? Uh yeah, I don't really think that at all. I think I think they'll be fine. I think they'll figure it out. I mean, Rendon's been banged up. I think he's a he's a pretty key piece. Um, I mean, to be honest, I haven't really watched like I haven't sat down and watched much Nationals. Uh, so I don't really know what the the flaws in that team are. I think they're just a talented team that's gotten off to a slow start that will will eventually figure it out. Uh, I mean, they're just they're just too talented. I mean, Adam Eaton's been banged up too, so. Uh, once they get Rendon back, and once they're they're fully healthy and the staff's fully going, then and and they're still struggling, then I'll be worried. But it's a month into the season; they're a couple games under 500. A good homestand can pretty much change that in in a heartbeat. I I am interested to see how they they the Phillies handle the Nationals because last year it felt I felt like the Nationals just whooped us every single game. It felt like they whooped us. So uh, it's it's a nice test. This is a little bit frustrating end to a homestand, but they went six and four in this homestand. They're still they're still sixteen and eleven, and still the best start since two thousand eleven. Uh, and like we said, I mean, the the offense really hasn't gotten going. They've had nice late uh, late game heroics, big late game hits. They've they've grinded out wins. Now I think the pitching staff's going to regress. Like I think we've seen the the cracks in the Vince Velasquez shield. We have Zach Eflin back on a rotation, which is. Like just cringeworthy. It's just not fun at all. Um, 
we're going to see the, 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 the staff regress a little bit. Pavetta, even Pavetta the other day, you know, I, I saw someone, I was listening to an update on, on our station, and they were like, uh, Nick Pavetta pitched bad today. And I was like, he didn't really pitch that bad. The defense didn't help him at all. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, Abdul will help him the one time to keep the ball in the yard against Freddie Freeman. Yeah, he had a bad inning, but he grinded. Like, he grinded it out. Like, that could have very easily ballooned into what it was for Vinny the next day, and he gave up six and four innings and said he only gave up three runs, and he grinded it out, or four runs, whatever it is. But he, he I, I know what you're saying, Jack. Like, he, that was a game that could have gotten out of hand, and instead Pavetta bared down and kept his team in the game. The maturation of Nick Pavetta, a 30 for 30 by Jack Fritz. <laughs> Slowly but surely, we're getting there. Uh, yeah. Th- like, they need to take at least two or three of the Marlins, just just right the ship a little bit. This is kind of like this is kind of like the uh, the timing of the last Marlins series. There was a lot of questions about the offense, whatever. The, the Gabe Kapler stuff was starting up. And then the Marlins came to town, and everything kind of got righted. Uh, it's, a, it's a good time for this Marlins series. You get the lineup. It should be three straight nights of a pretty similar lineup, so uh, a nice a nice way to get to get back on track here. But will Marlins fans boo Don Mattingly? That's what I want to know. Well, he's uh, a real baseball guy, James. I don't know if you know that. What'd you say? He's a real baseball guy. I don't know yeah, if you know that. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. Uh, yeah, he played in the majors for less time than Gabe Kapler. That's just a guess based on Mattingly ending his career early because of the back injuries and how long Kapler was in the league. But if I had to bet, I would bet. He's in the league longer than Mattingly. Obviously, not as good a player as Mattingly. No. I get it. I get it. But um, but real quick, I have watched a fair amount of Nationals so far this season, and I do agree with you. I think if you know, sitting here at uh, at one day left in April on April thirtieth, when most people listen to this, and I had to bet my life on someone to win the National League East, it would still be the Nationals. But I do think that they are a little bit more vulnerable than I expected coming into the season, just because. They have had a lot of injuries, but it's a lot of guys who I could see continue. I mean, first of all, Adam Eaton, whenever that guy stays on the field, is is the first time. Because uh, as sadly, as someone who's owned him many times in fantasy, he can't stay on the field, and it's it's a bummer because he's a really great player and he's fun to watch. Spanky Eaton, a great nickname too, but um, he hasn't been able to stay on the field. Daniel Murphy is you know still coming back from the microfracture surgery. They got a lot of guys in that lineup right now who you wouldn't expect to be in the lineup and wouldn't be able to count on in a lineup. But I think when it comes down to it, Bryce Harper contract year is real. Uh, Anthony Rendon's going to be just fine. He's going to bring it. Rendon? Michael Taylor has played pretty well for them. Um, at, at least counting stats wise, he's uh, hit some home runs, stealing some bases, that kind of stuff. I, I think they're going to be fine too, but I don't think, and, and again, the pitching staff, you still have Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer at the top, but they're going to have to make some moves. Like, they need to fortify that bullpen. It's not great. And I think that depending on injuries, they might need to add another piece offensively too. We'll see. But I think they're going to – and Ryan Zimmerman, that's another guy who I think was overrated, had a great year last year. I didn't expect that to bounce back. But yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I think they're, they're, they're beatable. I don't think they are the, the monolith that, that a lot of people thought they were. But I also think the Mets and the Braves are better than people expected too. Yeah, and I don't know if – I expect, uh, you know, obviously not the Mets start to last, but I think those teams are both better than I think a lot of people expected, as are the Phillies, which means uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, interesting division, Jack. Uh, one more thing I want to touch on before we get out of here, non-Phillies related, as I am uh, sitting here watching the Yankees and the Angels play in Sunday Night Baseball, and I saw you tweet about it, and I thought it was a really interesting point that, you know, Albert Pujols is, is now four hits away. I don't remember how, how far he was when you tweeted, but 
uh, four hits away from 3,000, and, and you just said you couldn't care less, and, uh, and you're a huge baseball fan. Um, I thought that was a really interesting thing because I, I feel similarly, but at the same time, I mean, I still – I still feel the impact of how important 3,000 hits was because I grew up with it being such an important thing. But I do think that when you look on it on a whole scale, people don't seem to care about that like they used to, Jack. Well, it's, I think it's a product of two things. I think the West Coast does hurt them. And, and I tweeted that, and everyone was like, you know there's a bunch of people in L.A. And I was like, well, that's not the point. There's, there's an East Coast machine that is baseball. And and like when Jeter got his three thousandth hit, I was like, "Wow, this is the most amazing thing ever!" And I cared so much. Yeah, about well, he it. also hit it out of the park too, which didn't hurt. Well, of course, over uh, over the uh, overrated David Price, and sure. um, and the other thing was that three thousand is just such an arbitrary number. Like, I just like I don't need three thousand hits to validate how good Albert Pujols was. Like, it's it's a cool career milestone, but like. I know how good peak Albert Pujols was. He's the best right-handed hitter of my generation. Um, I don't need I don't need three thousand hits to validate that. And I think it's just such a it's such a it's an easy number to get where it's like well, three thousand hits. That means you're automatically one of the greatest players ever. I already, I know that, and I know he's gonna get there eventually. And I don't know. It's just it just doesn't mean as much as it used to mean. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. I think three thousand hits is a little different. Um, and look, a lot of these things are, are longevity based. Uh, I think part of it is that we remember Albert Pujols, like you said, as the best right-handed hitter of our generation, at least until potentially Mike Trout has come along. But oh, Reese Hoskins, uh, yeah, yeah, and and obvious. Well, duh. <laughs> but I mean, Pujols is the best. You know, one of the best I've ever seen do it. And you know, now he is a shell of that. And watch him get to three thousand hits as this shell of what he once was. It right. It takes some of that luster away. It's like sure he got to three thousand, but like he, he used to be awesome. You know. But I, I do think that. Um, I also think that, and it's three thousand isn't a number that was as affected by this. But I really do think that the steroid era and the just um, you know, obviously the numbers that came out of that era and and the the warping of numbers that meant so much to the game, like sixty one home runs, like seven hundred and fifty five home runs, like even seven fourteen home runs, like all those types of numbers that were were so ingrained in us growing up in baseball. You can, like I said, you could just list them off. Um, I, I think that when those numbers became less important or less real, because you know. Barry Bonds had 73 freaking home runs in a season and, and stuff like that, that uh, I think that it just kind of across the board devalued the historical importance of baseball stats. And I think that that's something that, that right or wrong, um, it just is, isn't across the board type of thing. But um, I think it was an interesting point, and I thought it was an interesting uh, kind of thing to point out as, as big baseball fans. Uh, all right, Jack, before we get out of here, any final thoughts as we look into a uh, another week of six games, three games, Monday through Wednesday, an off day Thursday, and then to Washington for three? Any final thoughts before we head out? I'm excited that I don't have to see Ryan Flaherty's BDS eyes anymore. Uh, I, I'm so I sick hate that guy. I'm so sick and tired of the Braves. Uh, but also, of course, I have to plug this. Get your reviews in. Uh, we we love the reviews. We're trying to we're trying to build this podcast uh, and, and become the voice of Phillies fans everywhere. Uh, we love your reviews, your five star reviews, and uh, I don't know. It, it's cool to get feedback on the podcast. The Phillies community is a really fun community. 
it's only getting started now because the team is is finally interesting to watch after after years of being dormant uh i love doing this podcast every week and i hope you guys do uh like listening to it as well yeah i can vouch for that jack talks about very little other than high hopes and how excited he is about it all the time so I'll make my final thought to echo Jack's and say, please, please, please get those reviews in. If for nothing else than to put a smile on Jack's face. Cause he's always so ornery all the time. You know, it's nice to make him, uh, make him smile sometimes, but, um, what does, what does also, ornery mean? what were you going to say, Jay? What does ornery mean? <laughs> uh, look it up. Uh, you'll learn something. Yeah, um, but it's about me. So like, it's probably a negative thing. Yeah. Feisty. Let, let's give means you're always a little, you're a little, there's an edge to you. How about that? You always got only, a bit of an edge to you. Only in relation to anti double Herrera. There we go. Uh, and again, uh, I will echo Jack's thought in that. Uh, thank you everyone who's been listening and, uh, and filling out the reviews and all that. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. It is an amazing community. And uh, we're just excited we get to talk Phillies with you guys. So uh, we will be back uh, later in the week uh, to look ahead to next weekend and to update you on everything Phillies. So for Jack Fritz, I'm James Seltzer. We'll see you later. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.